every Catholic knows that there are several points during the Mass when the mind just seems to, of its own accord, inevitably wander off. It can be as early as when the priest says, let us pray, or it can be later on in the Mass, after the creed, during the offertory, the collection, when everybody sits down and you have a few minutes to breathe and think about what's for dinner. Another moment, though, of course, is that second reading, the letter from St. Paul. All it takes is hearing the lector intone a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, probably without a whole lot of enthusiasm. Try as we might, it's hard to make head or tails of what follows. It's like there's static, like you're stuck between stations as you fiddle with the radio. So what I'm proposing, briefly today and then in future reflections to come, are ways to hear St. Paul, to tune into the Pauline frequency. Paul's letters, as part of the inspired scriptures, contain too much, run too deep for us to be resigned to bewilderment, or worse, boredom. So what follows in this reflection are four pragmatic, practical points for us to tune in to catch what Paul is saying. Now the first practical point follows simply, straightforwardly, from the literary form of Paul's writings, so they're letters. Now, we only hear one side of the conversation, as if we're overhearing a phone call. This can be, of course, both frustrating and fascinating, since it forces us to think further, deeper, more creatively about what and why Paul says what he does. Yet, note this too. Since we only hear selections or snippets from these letters at Mass, we are often confronted with a passage that begins and ends rather abruptly. So, we have to be alert, ready to grab a hold of the thread of Paul's thought in the very brief span it takes a letter to rattle off that reading. But, if you're alert... You can catch that phrase, that image, the theme that Paul states only briefly before he's off to the races. Now, the second point is very close to that. and has to do with Paul's literary style. He's not a tame or plodding or even linear writer. In fact, quite the opposite. He's at once rapid vigorous, and deeply associative. In other words, there's both pace to his writing and pattern. By pace, I mean the combination of speed and rhythm. He's driving to the hoop. He's dribbling downfield at great speed, and yet it's not perfectly smooth or regular. He's swerving. He jukes, spins, This is part of his pattern. He finds an image that captures his idea, and he runs with it. Even as it conjures up other images and ideas that are linked in his fertile mind. Now, here's an example. Take this coming Sunday's reading from 1 Thessalonians. The day of the Lord will come like a thief at night, he declares. And then a few lines later, he reminds the Thessalonians... You are not in darkness for that day to overtake you like a thief. You are children of light, 
and of the day. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. Now notice how, for the alert listener who's tuning into this frequency, they're going to catch the immediate image, the thief at night. And then they're going to be ready for that following few lines when Paul returns to the image to call the Thessalonians to a kind of fidelity, a wakefulness, a vigilance. Now, that's fairly straightforward. The third point is actually the centerpiece, the key to tuning into the Paul frequency. The pattern of his thought is governed utterly and irresistibly by the person of Jesus Christ, whom Paul loves to call Ho Kurias, the Lord. This is not a person who merely was once upon a time. Jesus also is now. He is alive. Indeed, Paul seems to write always in the presence of Christ, the risen one. The concerns of his audience, the church in Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, and so forth, are each and all brought into the light, the radiance of the risen one. So when he tells the Corinthians that the Christian object, the goal, is to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ, we might well add, to take every concern, practical worry, deep question, moral struggle, captive in obedience to Christ. Jesus is the measure, the living and radiant rule of Paul's world, and ours too, if we surrender ourselves to the Lord, ho kurios, like Paul. So that leads us to the fourth and final point. We can say that Paul writes out of the bond of love for each community. In other words, this is the notion of koinonia, community in Greek, the spirit-forged bond that transcends time and place. Paul writes to Corinth and Ephesus, and yet, also, by the grace of the Holy Spirit that so moved him, he writes also to us, in whatever city or town the Lord has situated us. Now, I said a couple minutes ago that hearing Paul's letters read out is like listening to one side of a phone conversation. Here we might tweak that just a bit. What if we are not just listening to a conversation between Paul and some other. What if Paul and ultimately the Holy Spirit, the very Lord and giver of life, is addressing us, sitting there in the pew, calling us to come into obedience to Christ, our Lord, the Risen One,